All right. It's a Christmas tree out there. There's Christmas lights everywhere. Here we are. Yeah, hallelujah. We were driving home from the movie theater last night. Ooh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a little story about that here in a minute. We were driving home from the movie theater last night, and uh, our minivan plays uh, DVDs, okay, which is like, you know, I don't know who invented that. God bless them. <laughs> Honest to goodness, God bless them. And that video is on probably too much. Like, my kids have gotten too used to it. So now if they get into a car that doesn't have it, they're like, where's the movie? Somebody hand me a device, where's the iPad, give me a, like, oh, what have we done? Anyway, so we've come accustomed to it, but last night we were driving home, and it was snowing, and Liz turned off the DVD player, flipped up the screen, and said, hey, kids, look outside. And they're like, oh, Christmas lights, Christmas lights, right? So the rest of the trip home was just kids yelling about Christmas lights. Why am I saying all that? Oh, because there's a Christmas tree in the lobby, and we're excited because this week you guys will leave when you come back next week. We will have a little few more Christmas lights, just a few, all throughout uh, the sanctuary and the lobby. So we're looking forward to that. How many, how many love Christmas? Amen. Man, Christmas is such a good time. So before I do uh, offering, uh, before we pray over offering, how many did your homework this week? You guys remember your homework? Come up with a few thankful things, about four of them, right? We had to do them Sunday through Wednesday, and then we had to share them with whoever we were with on Thanksgiving. So I just want to share some of mine. Uh, I'm thankful for Jesus. Amen. I think did everyone have Jesus on their list of four? Come on. I mean, it's like, how do you make a list of thankful things and then not put Jesus on it? That's right. <laughs> yeah. So Jesus was one. My family was was another one. The Bible and football. Football. I think somebody may have asked, I won't mention their name, as to why Pastor Jason had a football in his hand last week and didn't mention anything about football. There was no illustration. He didn't drop back and throw a pass to anybody. He didn't give like a snap count on anything. There was nothing that happened with the football. And it turns out, for those who do know, I've heard, I just like to have a football in my hand all the time. And so I preach with a football in my hand. So to incorporate it, I am thankful for football. So now I did incorporate the football into my message uh, this week. But what I did as a family for Thanksgiving is I went around the table. Of course, there was 10 of us total. Uh, we have Anna home from Pittsburgh. And I just said something I was thankful about each person, something unique for each person that was there. And it just blessed my heart to think about it. Because you, sometimes we have to put effort into thinking about what we're thankful for. How many are in that category with me, Right. It's very easy to see all the problems, all the mistakes, all the issues, all of our frustrations with someone, but sometimes it just takes a little effort and we begin to see what we're truly thankful for in, in the people that are in our lives. So we love that. So anyway, so let's, uh, we're going to do, oh, let me give you a testimony before we pray over the offering. The first one is I just want to give a quick update on LCA, which is Leadership Christian Academy. Uh, it is the school that resides here as part of this church, uh, part of this organization. It's pre-K through 8th, and this, God has just been blessing this school. He has been blessing this school, and I know we're doing a vision series uh, this month, and I'm wrapping it up today, but I, we didn't mention anything about LCA yet during this vision series, 
I just want to tell you guys that God is doing amazing work through LCA. We have several of our children who go to LCA, and it is such a blessing. But I can tell you what, when the school started, we had prayed for two things. We had prayed for 100 students, and we had prayed for $100,000 in our endowment fund. That's what we were believing for. And the endowment fund, strictly and totally, is to get off any government funding or money or kickbacks, tax breaks, no matter what it was. We just want to be away from that and not rely on the government at all. I don't have to go into the reasons why. I think we're all in agreement as to that would be a good idea uh, for us to go do. And so I can tell you this morning, the testimony is we are at 99 students at LCA right now. So we are one student away from hitting uh, that one. We just had two students join not too long ago. So even though we're mid-school uh, mid year, uh, students are still being added, which is great. We added the classrooms upstairs, which are now completely paid for. And the, the Just Ask campaign that the parents and then the children are doing for the school is up to over $25,000 of Just Ask Money, which is paid for the wall that we put upstairs and beginning to pay to outfit the classrooms that are there. And then the really great news, the part of the testimony, is the endowment fund, after some blessings of people uh, saying that they're going to match, once all that matches in, we're going to be at $72,000 in our endowment fund. So give the Lord a hand for that. And honestly, when we started it, you know, Dale and I, the head of school, the principal, Dale Chateau, is doing a fantastic job. He was just like, let's believe for $100,000. I was just like, okay. You know, and I wasn't total. I was just like, okay. And then, it, like, it started rolling. So I'm believing for north of $100,000. And truly for that endowment to really be able to, so what, how an endowment works is you basically pull out like the, the proceeds from the investments and then you invest that back in the school via scholarship to help other un underprivileged kids, those who cannot afford to go to school, be able to have scholarships to go to this amazing private school. And so the, the purpose of the endowment is you never go below the value that is invested, right? So you, you gain some, but you always keep that value and then that grows over time. So our goal is to have a million dollars plus long-term in that endowment fund. And God's, we're going to be a tenth of the way there in no time. And so God is doing amazing, amazing work there. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. Keep the, uh, keep the school in prayer. Keep our debt reduction in prayer as well, because I know that God has asked some of you to partner with us in uh, bringing the debt down. And there's a reason for that, because he's got a lot more he wants to go do. He has a lot more he wants to go do, and I'm excited about that. But here's the offering scripture for this morning. It's out of 2 Chronicles 25. Again, this was part of our reading. If those who are reading the Bible in a year uh, started in January, we're almost there. We're almost there. Okay, so this says this. It says, Then Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do about the hundred talents which I had given to the troops of Israel. So give it a little context here. What is he talking about? So they hired 100,000 troops to come and help them fight some battles. And they, they hired, a this is Judah, they hired them from Israel. 100,000 troops. And they gave in order to support, think about how much money 100,000 troops is going to cost. In this day and time, back when this was written, it was 100 talents. So I did a little research. I'm like, how much is 100 talents back in this time? So, okay, you ask Google. 
and Google gives you a variety of answers. Uh, the, the range, let's just say this, through some biblical sources, was anywhere between a, a half a million and like four to five million dollars. Now you may research and find that it's more, but it doesn't matter what the number is, it was a lot. Just get that in your head. It was a lot. The ask was big. The need was big. Look what it says this. And the man of God answered, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. And I feel like when he said it, it was casual. You know what I mean? Like the tone was just like, because it's not an exclamation point, right? Nothing is in bold except the Lord. So he probably said something like, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. You know, and isn't that reassuring? Like, wait a second, we're talking millions of dollars. What am I going to do about a million dollars of debt or a million dollar endowment or my bills that I have that are $100 or $1,000? What is it that I do? The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Much more than this. So let's pray over the offering today. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you are able to give much more than this, much more than we have. All that we have is of you and from you and is for your good pleasure. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we are just distribution centers. Lord, we are just distribution centers of the resources that you have given us. Lord, may we do that with wisdom, being led by your Holy Spirit. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are able to do more abundantly more, beyond all that we could ask or imagine. Father, we thank you, Lord, that LCA is thriving. We thank you, Lord, that this debt is paid off on this campus, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that uh, we are able to do all the things that you've asked us to go do. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. This will be the last uh, message in this moving forward, the vision series that we were talking about. The moving forward, uh, that came from the prophetic word that we had when we joined One Focus Network uh, back in October. Was that October? November? Back in October, we shared with you the reverse Jenga, God putting different pieces in to stabilize the foundation. How many have played Jenga before? Right? The goal of Jenga is to pull it out without letting things crumble, and I feel like the Lord has been calling us to pull some things out, to stop some things, and not do some things for a period of time, and I believe last week, installing Pastor Andy as both an elder and a pastor at this church was one of those reverse Jenga blocks that we slid back in, which was making the foundation stronger to build upon, right? As you all know, as builders, as Brother Paul knows, you cannot build up until you create a strong foundation. And I believe that uh, what we've been talking about, and that's why we did that elder install as part of uh, this vision series uh, moving forward. But this, this moving forward was a sense that Pastor Jack Robleski gave this word where he said, you guys have been going when I say go, and you've been stopping when I say stop. You've been going when you say go, and you've been stopping when I say stop. And he didn't know this, but he said, and you've been asking me, meaning be asking the Lord, when can we just go? When can we stop stopping and just go? And he said, now is the time to go. And so coming out of that season, out of that prophetic word is this title of moving forward. We're moving forward with the family room. We're moving forward with the nursery. And I want to talk about something this morning else that we are moving 
forward with. What I didn't mention last week, and I think it should go uh, at least pointed out, or maybe I did, I don't remember, but in an elder-led church, in the structure of an elder, uh, there is the lead elder, or the first among equals, and I've talked about that a couple weeks ago. But it's pretty biblically sound and accurate that the Lord, in his infinite wisdom, gives the vision typically to that lead elder, which is me for this church. The lead elder gets the vision from God. Now, what that happens, what happens with that is then it's discussed and it's worked through and it's debated and it's talked about with the other elders and it's refined and refreshed and moving forward. But some of the things I want to tell you this morning is something that God has given me specifically for the future of this church. And I think it bears noting that this is why it's not the three of us up here talking about it, but it's the three of us up here who are in agreement about this moving forward and where we're going. So... Here's, here's what I would say. Can I, can I, I'll just be honest with you. This week, this week, I have felt, in fact, I think I texted Pastor Andy this, since that elder installation, I have felt a release on me to be able to do some of the things that God has called me to do and the role for me to step in as kind of lead elder of this church. And, you know, Grubby or Pastor Jack had mentioned that to us. He said, when you do the actual, because we've been doing elder meetings for a month and a half and we've been coming on Monday nights, but when we actually do the ordination and the installation, there will be spiritual things that are released that, of course, you do not see. And I can tell you that from last Sunday to this Sunday, there was a release of things over this church over this community, over this city, that I was just like, oh my gosh, it's actually happening. What Pastor Jack said is actually happening. There's this release that is happening. So I believe that's exciting. So the hook I have for you guys today is, do you see what I see? Okay, a little play on Christmas here. We got the lovely Christmas songs. Do you see what I see? And by the end of this, I hope you will see what I see for the future. Uh, of ECF. So we're in the book of Acts, and I love studying the book of Acts because it's all about the early church. It's all about how the early church operated, and I believe that even now, 2,000 some years later, we can learn, we can learn from how the early church operated. And I think a lot of us will say, well, but we're in a different time, of course. We live in a different country than they were, of course. We are not an agrarian society as they were, a lot of farmers and stuff. Okay, of course. But there are things in the way they structured the church that are so fundamental and so foundational that we cannot ignore them. That we have to say, I have to look, we have to look to the scripture and say, ah, look at that. We need to do that. Not what so-and-so is doing down the street. That's, that's their deal. Holy Spirit speaks to them what they do. But what's in here is what we have to go do. Acts 4, verse 29. Now this is the early church. They're praying. They're asking the Lord for some help. Here's what it says, starting in verse 29. I'm going to read a little bit and stop and then keep reading. It says, Now, Lord, look on their, heart, look on their threats. <laughs> Now, Lord, look on the, <clears throat> all the challenges, all the things that are coming against them, 
all the things that are happening in their world that was surrounding them by their government, by their this, by their that, whatever it is. Look on those things and grant to your servants, grant to the church, grant to us that with all boldness they may speak your word. Oof. Prayer request number one. That with all boldness they would speak your word. Not just the preacher, not just Peter, not just John. The church, all of them that were gathered together, all of them that were praying. All boldness they may speak your word. Verse 30, by stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through your name, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Does that sound a lot like our mission statement? Lost, saved, sick, healed, right? Families thriving, lives transformed, right? These are the things we want to see. You guys know this. I didn't bring it up. I forgot. But you know the circle chart and the four quadrants and Route 79 and Route 9 and all the fancy things we can do with graphics today. But you don't need to see it. You can picture it in your mind because I've, I've showed you hopefully enough that you have that picture in your mind of our, of our logo with that. This is what they're saying is happening. The word's going out. People are being saved. They're seeing people healed and signs and wonders. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Literally, legit shaken. Power of God. Power of God. That literal place was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We're a spirit-filled church. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Whoa. They asked. They asked for something. They finished the prayer. Things shook. And it happened. The things they were praying for happened. I have a little short testimony, a side note from yesterday. Uh, we had a couple things, a few prayer requests that happened when we prayed for them. Now look, I'm telling you, I've done, a, I've said a lot of prayers. I have a prayer journal. I'm, I'm talking about hundreds of pages of prayer requests that I presented to the Lord. Not every one of them has gotten answered. And certainly not every one of them has gotten answered immediately. This one was immediate. One yesterday was immediate. So yesterday was our daughter Eva's birthday. She, used to, she turned 12, and she loves animals. And so we took her out for our breakfast birthday, just her, Liz and I and her, which is special with all the kids, right? They're, not, they're back home. They're dealing with themselves. Mom and dad are doting on the birthday child, okay? So we go out to, we go out to uh, breakfast with her, and we say, okay, Eva, you got two options today. Two options. We can do number one, we can go to the zoo. She loves animals. Zoo, and then we stop that sentence. And then we say option number two is we can go together with you and we can go shopping and we can go to the mall and we can try on boots. And like, so mom and dad are trying to steer. How many of you, mom and dads, have steered the answer of your children? at least to the best of your ability, towards what you actually want to do. Not what they want to do. I know what she wants to go do, and it was the first one, right? And so we're just like, it's, it, 
And she, we're like, so babe, what do you want to do? She's like, the zoo. <laughs> but it's cold and it's snowing. Are the animals even out? Who goes to the zoo on Thanksgiving? There's, I mean, are they, they're all going to be in the warmers, right? It's freezing out. So we go to the zoo, 10 o'clock, it opens up. Of course, there's nobody there. The gates are locked. It's 10.05. We're like, maybe they're not open. And I know Eva was probably praying in the back going, mm-hmm, Lord Jesus, open these gates, right? And then someone showed up, and the gates got opened up. And so we started walking around, and I kid you not, animal after animal literally came out to greet this child. There was like the, I don't know, the, was the panda bears came out? The, not panda bears, what are they called? Red pandas, yeah. The red pandas were out. All these different animals were out. The tiger was out, right? First thing in the morning, we're the only ones that the tiger's walking back and forth. I mean, right, the glass window. You guys have been in the zoo, right? The glass, the tiger's just walking back and forth. It's like, this is awesome. Three times we walked past the lions. The lions weren't out. Man, that's crazy. I want to see the lions, right? And so we walk past the lions. Again, the lions aren't out. So finally... We stand in front of the lions, the, the, well, not the lions yet, I'm giving away the answer, but we're standing at the glass, and I don't know if you mentioned it, you told me or something like that, I, I, I said, we should just pray. She says, we should just pray. I say, in the name of Jesus, lions come out. Literally, as I stop that, the, like the little like, remote control gate opens up. Like, as soon as I ended up saying it, the gate opens up, I'm like, Lions! Yes. And then I see somebody sweeping. I'm like, oh. It's not the lions, it's the sweeping person, the person who was cleaning the area. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. And so we walked around a little bit and we saw the lady. And I said, are the lions going to come out? She's like, look, I can't make them come out. I was like, okay, well, they're not going to come out while you're standing in the cage, right? You need to leave, right? And so we're like, okay. Well, we're just going to have to wait. She's like, give it a few minutes. Maybe they'll come out. Maybe they won't. And so we're standing. Maybe we went and saw something else, and we came back, and we're standing there. I was like, you know what? We prayed the first time, and the door opened. What if we pray again and see if the lions come out? So I started speaking in tongues, and I kid you not, as I was praying in tongues, the lions came right out. And I don't mean they just came out to say hello. I'm talking about they came out. They came down to us. We got pictures. They, so Eva, laying down by the glass, one of the lions is laying down and pawing with her through the glass. We got videos of this. This is truth, man. This is not evangelistic. I'm not stretching the truth here from the stage. This legit happened. We've got videos to prove it. I should have brought one. Right? So this is an answered prayer immediately. Praise God. And so sometimes I think, like, we don't think to pray right away for situations. We think of the big ones. You know, we need family members saved. I got this boss that I can't stand, right? Like, we're all, we know how to pray for those. But God wants us to pray continuously. He wants us to be in communion with him. And he wants to call things out and say, just pray for these things. And we did. And it happened. And God was faithful. He was faithful. And the lion showed up. And that was one of those prayers that got answered right away. Much like this prayer got answered right away. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Prayed for boldness. Place shook. Holy Spirit fell. Boldness. Verse 32. 
Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Stop right there. Those who believed were of one heart and one soul. There was unity amongst the believers. There was unity amongst those believers. And I'm telling you that even though that's after, that was something that was fundamental and foundational for the Lord to move as he moved because they already had that unity. It wasn't like they prayed for it. No, it says that they had the unity, they were praying, and then it's like, oh yeah, by the way, they also had this one heart and one soul. And I think, like, what did that look like? What did that look like? And I'm telling you what it looked like. There was no judgmental spirit in that group. There was no critical spirit in that group. And we wonder why sometimes we come to church and we, don't, and we have opinions about so many things. The early church, I don't think they had a whole lot of opinions about how church was supposed to happen. Because their church wasn't happening. This is the first this is the beginning, and I think we all bring our, me included, right? We bring our baggage from before, we bring our things from before, and we stand sometimes, me included, guys, I'm preaching to myself, in judgment and in criticism, and we are blocking many times the power of God moving with boldness in our congregation because we're standing in judgment over decisions, we're standing with a critical spirit, I don't like the lights, it's too long, it's too short, I don't like, that's not, we shouldn't even have opinions. You may think opinions, we don't share them. That's not what it's supposed to be about. Look at this thing. The multitude. The mul- not just the leadership team was of one accord. It was the multitude. It was those in the back, in the front, the middle, to the left, to the right, everywhere. They were of one heart. They were of one soul. And I saw this as being, this is a critical key factor for us as a church to see God move in boldness. It says that neither did anyone say that any of the things that he possessed was his own. They had all things in common. They were willing to share. They were willing to give. They were willing to sacrifice for others. And to be honest, not that I'm, of course not us, but we have lost a sense of sacrificing for others in general. I'm going to present something to you guys here in a little bit of what I see of the future of the church. And the first thing you're going to say is, I don't have time for that. I, I, I can't. I'm too busy. I've got too many things to truly operate the way the church operates. This is, this is right? I mean, I'm with you guys. I, this is difficult. I understand that. But this is what it is. They, you know what? Everything I got is yours. We're all going to do that. We're going to do this together. And then verse 33, and with great power, the apostle power is still happening, gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Like, yes, power and grace. Why? Because they're in unity and they're praying for boldness. Nor was there, verse 34, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands and houses, sold them. They brought their proceeds and things that were sold. They laid them at the apostles' feet. I'm not telling you go sell your property and bring money to the altar here. But what I'm saying is they had this heart to serve, the heart to give, the heart to sacrifice for others. And laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. 
And we all say, yes, the model church, that's what I want to see. How do we operate like that? How do we do this? Go back to Acts chapter 2. Because here's the thing, this was Acts chapter 4. This is what was happening after the church was created. But in Acts chapter 2, it talks about how the church was started. What actually did it look like? Yeah, well, they were together, they were praying, and it says they had unity and of one accord, but how did they get there? How did they get to Acts chapter 4? Well, go to Acts chapter 2 to see how they got there. Starting in verse 40. This is in chronological order, so yes, Acts chapter 2 is before uh, Acts chapter 4. Kidding, because, you know, some of the books aren't exactly always in chronological order. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. They were preaching the gospel message. Then those, verse 41, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. No Facebook. No Instagram. No amazing media marketing team. No overhead projectors, no great speaker systems, no email distribution lists. What? How? How? By the power of God, that's how. Because they were preaching the word of God with boldness. 3,000 were added to them. Well, what did they do? What did it look like? Verse 42. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. This is what the church needs to look like. This is it. They continued steadfastly in doctrine, which means they studied the word of God together. In fellowship. You know what fellowship is? It's a koinonia is actually the word that was used there. It's partnership and participation. (laughs) So they studied the word of God together, and they were in partnership with each other, and they were participating in each other's lives. No thank you. I got enough going on in my life. I I say it. But we want Acts chapter 4... We want the 3,000 people, we want the boldness, we want this place to be shaken, we want all these things, but are we willing, church, to pay the price that they paid in order to get to Acts chapter 4? Are we willing, church, to pay the price that we're watching them do in Acts chapter 2 to get to Acts chapter 4? The results of this unity and oneness in verse 43, it says, And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And now all who believed were together. They had all things in common. Verse 45, again, so this is referencing what we saw happen in two chapters later. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So as they come together, they study the word of God together. They're in fellowship together. They're breaking bread together. They're in partnership with each other. They're in participation with each other. All these things begin to happen. Fear of the Lord. Miracles are happening. A common purpose, a common vision. All needs are met. We're all like, hallelujah. That's what we want. 
So verse 46 says this, And so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and in the temple, in the temple, here we are, and, here's the and part, here's the one, I don't have time for this, I'm too busy, and breaking bread from house to house. Oh, not please don't say you're telling me people have to come into my house. Actually, yes. You cannot have unity of a church by just meeting in the temple once a week. We got an eight-minute greeting in between. How much are you going to do in eight minutes? How much are you going to do before church? How much are you going to do after church? Depending on how long he preaches, very little. I got places to go. I got things to do. I'm busy. How many times do you catch yourself if someone says, how you doing? Eh, I'm busy. But I'm, right, that's like our default answer. How is it possible that every single person is busy? Because I think that we think that we are. Because we've filled our lives with things. Come on, church. Me included. We've filled our lives with things that are keeping us busy and distracted from the, one of the most important things, and that is fellowship with each other. We've created ourselves busyness, hurry, hustle, all the words, all the fancy books that are written. I'm reading some of them. Maybe we'll do a series on that some other time because I haven't finished because I haven't implemented anything, so I can't preach on it. But you understand is we've developed our lives to sense that we're so busy that we don't have time for true fellowship and breaking bread from house to house. We see church as a Sunday morning event. Yes, we have some small groups that are in operation, but that has to be just the beginning of what this church is all about. Has to be just the beginning. You know what the enemy's strategy is on us is isolation. You know you can come to church on Sunday morning and be still pretty isolated. You can come every week. Most people on average now, they attend eh, once or twice. Since the pandemic, it's like eh, once or twice a month. Do you really think that you're going to be connected into a family, into a, into a body of Christ by only coming once or twice a month and then doing nothing else? Doesn't work. That's not what they did. This is something that we can pick up from the early. It's not how they operated. So they continue daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. And they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. The enemy is to isolate us, to separate us. And then verse 47 says this, and praising God and having favor with all the people. And this, I quote this all the time. And the Lord added to the church Daily, those who are being saved. We do this, he does that. We do the previous verses, he does that. He does, the Holy Spirit does the convicting, not you. Well, I'm going to tell that person. That's not, that's not going to be helpful. If you start a sentence with that. And I'm going to message them, I'm going to tell them what the truth is. Sometimes that's a, if the Lord says do it, then you do it. But what I'm saying is we have to have relationship with each other. 
We have to have relationship with you. And then these things begin to happen. So let me tell you about what I see. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? I see a church that gathers on a Sunday morning. I see a church that is growing and healthy and thriving and all the things happening. But I see a church that is meeting in homes with each other. You say, what are you talking about? Let me try to explain that a little bit. I mentioned this word that I had from the Lord called 100 by 20. You guys remember I mentioned that? 100 by 20. And let me give you some context of what this is. We had been praying about, I've been praying about, Lord, what do you want? What do you want? Is it to big, build bigger buildings? Is it to see thousands of people on a Sunday morning, seven different services and all this stuff going on? Lord, is that what you want? And in that heart and in that spirit, I was asking the Lord, what do you see? What do you see for Erie Christian Fellowship Church? And I was driving down 12th Street. I come up over, I'm getting close to Green Garden. And I'm starting to go down the hill. You know where the American flag is? On 12th Street, everyone on the side of the building, there's that American flag as you're beginning to come into the city. And as soon as I came over that hill, it was 100 by 20. So I'm just like, Lord, what on earth does that mean? What does 100 by 20 mean? And it began to show me that 100 by 20 meant this. Meant that the growth at ECF is going to not be from church transfer. It's not going to be because we've got the fanciest preacher who wears the fanciest shoes, who gives the slickest message. To be, can I be honest? I put a lot of pressure on myself. I put a lot of pressure on myself, saying, Lord, if, if I could just preach a little bit better, the seats would be filled. If I could just, you know what, if we could just have another miracle that would happen, then the seats would be filled. And you know how I, look, I'm just being, this is like thankful Sunday, right? I'm just being honest with you guys. You know how I mentioned how I was not feeling well? Many times on a Sunday before church. And it was the enemy was coming to attack me. And the minute I began to see that and I spoke against it, I started not being, feeling sick again. Well, it started coming back. And I know that you guys were praying for me because I could feel the struggle that the enemy was trying to bring that back on. You know what the Lord told me? He said, do you know why? Do you know why you're feeling that? Because, Jason, you're in fear. Whoa, 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 whoa. You mean that somehow I had opened the door for Satan to be able to afflict me in the physical realm? Yeah. But he didn't have any power over, and he couldn't stay there, and I took authority, and I had to kick him out of there. But when I said, well, Lord, what am I fearing? Like, so there you want to know, like, I got people praying for me. How can they pray for me? Because I started to see this whole addition by subtraction, and you start to see the subtraction, you're just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, if I just work harder, if I just preach better, if I just come up with another message in a different series, oh, Lord, give me the series that will transform the church. And I put all this pressure on myself, and it was making myself sick. I woke up Sunday morning thinking that I had something to do with church growth. And the Lord said, you do not. You do not. The Lord added daily to those who are being saved. And so this 100 by 20, what it began to reveal to me is that there were groups 
There were like micro churches. There was gr- operating a hundred groups all over northwest Pennsylvania, right? Still goes in line with the vision of what we were saying. Groups meeting of 20 people about, on average, in each group. Meeting and thriving and seeing the lost saved, seeing the sick healed, seeing lives transformed, seeing families thriving. I said, but Lord, what does that, what does that mean for a Sunday? I can't fit 2,000 people into this church. He said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of those details. But what he wants is the church operating like the church in Acts did. It's not just a Sunday morning experience. It's not the lights were too dark, the worship was too long, two hours. I'm not, guys, we, you have available every of all the best preachers in the whole world. Available on something that is sitting in your pocket or in front of your face right now. What can I do? The best worship. Our worship team is phenomenal. But you can listen to the best worship from all around the world on that device in front of you. You can do the best Bible studies. You can do the best of all the stuff. But what you can't do on the device, you can attend church from your couch. But what you can't do is you can't be in fellowship with other believers from your couch on your device. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. And for the church to grow and to thrive, we need 100 by 20. Now, we're going to start with one or two. We already have one, you know, a couple groups happening. But this is how this is going to grow. This is how the church is going to grow. This is how we're going to reach northwest Pennsylvania. What happens when the next thing comes down the line? And the government tries to shut this building down. Or they do this or they do that. What happens? Well, if I've got 100 leaders and shepherds pastoring 20 people each, all happening all over northwest Pennsylvania, you can't stop that. You can't stop them, church. You can't stop them. They can close off the internet. What are we going to do? I don't know. There's no online church. They put a lock on the door. Guys, throughout history, church growth came when the church was persecuted. So we don't want persecution, but we want growth. I'm telling you, church, that there is person. Well, you guys, it's not like you have to be really super intelligent to figure out that's already happening. Persecution is happening. It's only going to increase. And so if that is what we believe is happening and we're preparing for Jesus' return, that's why he told me 100 by 20. Because that's how we have to operate. That's how the churches operate in third world countries who don't have a beautiful campus like this. Well, Lord, what are you going to do with the beautiful campus? I don't know. We saw kids, hundreds, thousands kids running around. That'll still happen somehow. Maybe we have to do rotation of all these groups meeting on a Sunday morning. Maybe only 25 of them get to come on a Sunday morning. And then you rotate. Another 25 come the next week. But this is what the church is. It's not just a Sunday morning experience. When you're in the homes and you're fellowshipping together, you're studying the word of God, you're fellowshipping together, you're breaking bread together, and you're praying together. Just what what they said, with gladness of heart. It's what Acts chapter 2 says. We want church growth, but are we ready to do what it actually takes for church growth? Are we ready? That's what I see moving forward. Do you see, well, how are you going to train 100? I don't know yet. I don't know how I'm going to train 100. There's almost 100 people in here. Are you ready? No, not me. I'm not called to that. That's not my spiritual gifting. Okay, I get it. I know. But what I'm saying is, is do you see what I see? 
Do you see a church thriving in homes, not just on a Sunday morning? Because that's where the connection happens. When someone doesn't show up to your home in a week or two, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Someone doesn't show up for church in a while, do you even really know? Some of you do. You're, you have your zip code, right? We all have our zip code where we sit in church on Sunday where there's a zip code over. So you maybe notice a little bit, but do you really know how that person's doing? Do you really know why they're not there? Do you know what they're struggling with? Do you know that their marriage is falling apart? Do you know that their kids just got something happened to them? Do you know, do you know, do you know? You don't. Because we're not doing church the way the Bible says we're supposed to do church. And you'll say, but I'm too busy. I know, I say that. We're all too busy. But if we don't prioritize this, we don't walk in this, we don't walk in true fellowship, the enemy's goal, like I said, is to isolate us. To move us out to we feel like we're on. You can come to church every Sunday morning and still be isolated. But it's a lot harder when you're meeting in someone's home and you're fellowshipping and breaking bread together. Michael, you want to come back up here? Do you see what I see? Do you see it, church? Back to verse 42, it says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Three takeaways for us as a church. You say, well, that's a great vision, Pastor What am I supposed to do today? What am I supposed to do tomorrow? What am I supposed to do this afternoon? You don't have 100 leaders ready for me to plug into some group in my zip code. Well, there's things that that church was doing that we can do right now. Number one is we can study the Word of God. You can study the Word of God. There's a time coming, I'm telling you, where there will be some of the stuff we have access to won't be around. And you have to know how to study the Bible on your own. Without a tool, without a help, without your DVR, without streaming Victory Channel, without all that stuff. What if it was all gone? Do you know how to study the Word of God? Do you know the importance of the Word of God? We need to start doing that individually, with our families, with others. That's the whole point of next month's series, Fellowship. This is where there's protection. Fellowship together. Invite someone over. Break bread together. Some of you already do this. It's great. You have to be intentional about it. You can't think that, well, I'm just, that was a great message, so I'll just wait till something happens. Many times God's asking us to make that happen. And then prayer. The zoo example. Pray. Pray for those Holy Spirit connections. Ask him, who am I to be connected with? Where do I go? Who should we be together with? 1 John 5, verse 14 says this. Now this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, anything according to his will, he hears us. What is it that you have in your life today that you need to present to the Lord? 
and you need to see the Lord move on your behalf according to his will. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Studying the word of God, fellowshipping together, praying, making those habits of our life so that as these things begin to happen in our church, as leaders are developed, as new groups begin to happen, as all this stuff begins to happen, you'll be prepared personally for what God has in store for this church and for this area. And I want you to know, church, that everything that we do, actually everything we have been doing for a long time has that in mind. Everything, the elder structure of the church has that in mind. Because that doesn't work in a traditional hierarchy church job. What, what ends up happening is you hire more and more and more staff to support all these things that are happening out there. But an elder-led church, you could have an elder who is in charge or leads 10 groups, and another elder who leads 10 other groups and mentors those leaders and oversees those leaders, and another elder to do 10, another elder to do 10. They don't have to be staff people. You understand that? When we do kids' ministry, everything we're thinking about is how does this also operate, not just when they met in the temple, but when they met house to house. So I want you to know that that's a filter that we use when we make decisions. Bow your heads today. Here's what I'm going to ask. We've already studied the Word of God. I already gave you eight minutes of fellowship together. So now we're going to pray. But I want this to be active. I don't want this to be just me praying. I want you to think of your own life right now. We did this at a conference and it's so powerful and I want us to do it together as a church family today. What is the one thing in your life right now that you need God to move in? And we know that God is already moving when we don't see him working. He's working when we don't feel he's working. But what's the one thing you came in with this morning? Not ten, not five, not three, not two. The one thing. And I want you to get that in your mind right now. And what I want us to do next, you can keep your eyes closed, is I just want you to right now to begin speaking to God, praying over that situation. It doesn't have to be long, it doesn't have to be complicated. Maybe it's for a lost loved one, maybe it's for a job. Just be out loud, just begin to speak it. If you're all speaking out loud, you can't be listening to everybody else. Just begin to present that request to him now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are working. Thank you, Lord. You are moving. You hear these requests, Lord. Lord, we ask that you move on behalf of this church and this congregation and these prayers. Father, move according to your will, according to your time, 
But Lord, we ask that some of these are quick, just like the lion showing up at the zoo. Lord, we ask that some of these prayer requests move, Lord, that you would just move quickly this morning, quickly on their behalf. That that one thing that they've presented to you, that they will begin to see a turnaround in some way, even before the day is over in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we can confidently ask anything in your name according to your will, and you hear us. And Lord, that when we ask, we know that you hear those petitions and that you are working on them. So, Father, I just ask that you move again on, all, on the behalf of all the people that are here. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you that you are moving and working. Father, bless your holy name. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you, Lord, for fresh vision of the future. Father, I pray that you would strengthen us, encourage us, to be the church, not just on Sunday mornings, not just in these walls, but that we would be the church in every day of our life. Lord, that when we do that and we operate in that way, with the unity that we see here in the early church, Lord, that you added daily to those who were being saved. You added daily. And Lord, we just pray over this 100 by 20. Lord, we pray that you would begin to lead us and guide us as a church to see that happen, to reach northwest Pennsylvania. Lord, you've told me this is the way moving forward. Lord, you've told me words like unconventional. And Lord, I feel like this seems a bit unconventional to the church growth model. And so, Lord, I just, we just give this to you. We give this vision to you, not in our own strength, not in our own accord, but because of who you are. You make a way. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, or you have another, you've had that prayer request that you had, you just want someone else to agree with you that God is moving and working. We have some prayer teams that will be up here. They'll be up here at the front. They're ready to pray with you, encourage you, agree with you on whatever it is. Now I want to read this benediction as we close. It's out of 1 John 4. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us, that God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And love has been perfected. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. As you go out today, as he is, so are you in this world. For there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So Lord, as we go, we thank you for the love that you have for us. 
Father, we thank you for this church, for the future that you have. We consecrate it to you. We pray a blessing over these people. In your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. You guys are dismissed. Go be the church. Amen? Amen.